I am this morning swimming in a, in a sea of, of various and sundry memories, some of them brought on by the weather that we've had over the last couple of days, some by Mara's bat mitzvah, some of the memories also from the fact that we are leaving tomorrow morning to head to the land of Israel, and I want to share just a few of the memories with you. I am very aware that the Ravens game starts at 4.30, so I, I, I won't speak for too many minutes, but let, let me first talk about the weather. Fifty years ago, I was a, a nine-year-old kid growing up in upstate New York, small town. We were very, very familiar with winter weather in the town that I grew up in. Half a century ago, first of all, was, was well before the, the severe effects of climate change that we're experiencing today had come into play. So winters, each and every winter, cold, snowy. Now, as an adult, I now understand that cold and snow can be a significant hassle particularly if there's something that you want to get done or something that you need to get done. But I was a nine-year-old kid, you know, and I loved it. I mean, it was just wonderful. The colder and snowier, the better, as far as I was concerned. Now, it was rare, very rare, exceedingly rare, in upstate New York for school to be canceled, even if it snowed a lot. I mean, it could snow five, six, seven inches. That was no problem. You were going to school, schlepping. But I remember well those mornings when I would wake up and there had been a chance when I went to bed of a significant snowstorm, you know, like a foot or more, and turning on my transistor radio, some of us will remember what those things are, and hoping I would hear the name of the school system. It was just one school system in the town I grew up in. You know, school was canceled for the day. And every once in a while, it actually was. Now, there was something magical about those moments, those days and that weather. Serious snowstorm transformed the world that I lived in. We cross-country skied in the streets. We built huge snow forts, marathon snowball fights. We stayed out, played out in the snow until both our hands and our feet were numb. We wore galoshes. Some of you will also remember what galoshes are. And we would even under the galoshes over our shoes, wrap our shoes in plastic bags to protect us against the wet and the snow. Tennis courts, when I was a kid growing up, were turned into ice skating rinks. And I was only nine, again, going back 50 years, I was only nine, but the boys a few years older than I would jump out into the streets behind cars driving on snowy streets, grab onto the bumpers of the cars when cars actually had bumpers, metal bumpers, and catch a ride from the unsuspecting driver who was trying to make his or her way through the snow. Don't try that at home, by the way. It's not a safe thing to do. So yesterday, I'm watching the snow fall, and it's falling so gently and so beautifully, and that always brings me back. It always brings me back to my boyhood. Because if we're lucky, we keep the sweet memories of the youth that we live. We keep those sweet memories locked in our hearts, and they help us remember, you know, we too were children at one point. We were also children. And when we were, we lived in a simpler time. And as children, we live in a world that can be trans transformed, a world that can become magical and mystery and free just from the sense of beautifully, sweetly, softly falling snow. Memory number one. Memory number two has to do with the land of Israel. 
We're leaving early tomorrow morning, as I told you, a group of Bethel travelers. There are 20 of us going, five-day trip, and our hope is just to show support and connection and concern for the Jewish homeland and our brothers and sisters who live there. I've been to Israel many times in my life at this point. I, I couldn't even tell you how many times, more than 10, 15 maybe, I'm not even sure. But every time I go, it brings me back to the very first time I ever went, my first visit. That was 29 years ago, 29 years ago, when Becky and I moved to Jerusalem so that I could spend a year studying there. I had never been to Israel. I had never been. And we went, and I stayed for 11 months. Tali, when we went, was six weeks old. She was six weeks old when we landed at Ben-Gurion in September. She was an infant. We pushed her around in a stroller. We carried her in one of those, those baby carriers. Now she's 29, you know. I was young. I had just turned 30 when we landed in Israel, filled with energy, and I was untroubled by things like uncomfortable beds or the cold showers that we were always taking in Israel because the water tank that was on top of the roof couldn't hold enough water for even one warm shower. Didn't even bother me. It was a, a wonderful year. It was a year of exploration, a year of learning, very much for, for me a year of deepening my love of Jewish life and Jewish tradition and the Jewish people and the Jewish homeland. But as I said, six weeks old, Tali was six weeks old when we landed in Israel. When we left, she was walking, she was talking, and just a couple of weeks ago, she was standing under a chuppah, right? It was a time when there was a sense of hope in Israel, very much so that Israel could make peace with its neighbors as it had with Egypt. And when the idea of a Palestinian state was just sort of slowly beginning to get off the ground, Israel's economy was exploding at the time, 30 years ago was exploding. And although that was now, as I said, almost 30 years ago, that sense of optimism and hope and expectation, the possibility of what Israel can be, I carry that with me every time I go every time I go to Israel, and I will carry it with me tomorrow, the trip over the next week, even during the time now when it's dark and it's hard and it's difficult, and maybe it's especially important now to carry that sense of hope and optimism and light and possibility, what will be, what can be for Israel in the years ahead. I also, this is memory number three, have the, a very, very, very vivid memory of this particular Shabbat. This is the Shabbos of Parshat Bo, it's Mara's Torah portion. It was in my last year of rabbinical school, and I was assigned this Torah portion for my senior sermon. So a senior sermon is, is a kind of rite of passage for rabbinical students, graduating rabbinical students. You have to deliver a sermon on a particular Torah portion in front of the entire student body, so all of your fellow students, but much more terrifying in front of most of the rabbinical school professors, many of whom were, were rabbis as well, and they were your teachers, and I, I worked and worked and worked on the sermon for weeks and weeks and weeks, and of course, the morning that I had to deliver it, I rewrote the entire thing, you know. I can tell you the sermon itself was, was not particularly memorable. I talked about a verse in the portion where Moses is in conversation with Pharaoh, and Moses says, we will only go if you let us take our children with us, if you let us take our children. And I, and I use that as a springboard to talk about so part of what I said to Mara, this idea of Lador Vador, the sense of generation to generation and how, how the tradition is, is transmitted. 
At the time, Tali, my oldest, was four. Josh, my son, was two. Mayrab, my youngest, was not yet. She hadn't been born yet. But this idea of what it meant to raise children was very important to me at the time, still is today, and so that was, that was what I talked about. Again, the sermon was not particularly memorable. What was memorable, though, for me that day was the group that had assembled to share that day with me. My parents were there. <clears throat> Becky's parents were there. Uh, my best friend from college came to, to that. He's not even Jewish, you know, and he came, which I thought was very nice of him. My Uncle Marvin was there as my dad's brother. My brother and sister came. Uh, my soon-to-be brother-in-law came as well. So I delivered the sermon, the way, the way the room dynamics worked. I delivered the sermon with the, the then-chancellor of the seminary, whose name was Ismar Shorsh, and he was sitting, it was one floor room, you know, everything on the same level, and he was sitting about five feet, like directly in front of me, kind of like where Keith is sitting right now, but five feet away, and he had this kind of dour expression on his face the entire time, you know. Um, I think he knew the sermon was not memorable. I don't know. That was a, but but I, I didn't care, you know, because I wasn't talking to him. You know, who, who do you really talk to, right? Who, who is it important to you to really communicate with? Your family, your friends, like people that are near and dear to you because they really know who you are and what you're all about and who you're trying to become, right? Those were the people that I was talking to. And whether the message I gave was memorable or not, the fact that I could share that moment with them that was memorable, and that's what sticks with me, even though it was 26 years ago. So last but not least memory today, uh, 15 years ago, standing with Keith and Stacy at their chuppah, and I was a, a younger rabbi, significantly so. Back in those days, I was in my mid-40s, Keith and Stacy, a young couple, and, uh, you know, Keith and I, Stacy would be very good, but we would sit there and chat about the Grateful Dead as we were, we were trying to prepare for the wedding, right? And we're talking about the Grateful Dead most of the time, the conversations that continue to this day. And certainly one of the hopes and dreams that we had 15 years ago when we were celebrating with you at the chuppah was that as a family, you would have a moment like this, you know, and come together, such a beautiful simcha, stand with a child at the Holy Ark, be able to offer those prayers of gratitude and to help her today with that sense of gratitude to enter the Jewish world as an adult in a, in a new way. Now you may, many of you may at least, remember the song, As Time Goes By. Remember that song? It was a, as a jazz standard. It was written in 1931 by a man named Herman Hupfeld. His name not particularly memorable and probably never heard it before. But of course, the song itself was made famous in the classic 1942 movie, Casablanca. Casablanca, yeah. And in that film, the song is performed by Dooley Wilson. So that is Rick and Ilse's theme song throughout the movie. It's a, it's a symbol of the, the time that they shared. It's a symbol of the love that they were blessed with. But it, but it also reminds them in the movie reminds them in the movie, and all of us, you know, time goes by. Time really goes by. I mean, 50 years ago, I was a, a kid playing in the snow in upstate New York, 
30 years ago, it's unbelievable, 30 years ago, I lived a year of my life in an apartment in Jerusalem with my family. And 30 years ago, Tali, who again, just got married, was a six-week-old baby. 26 years ago to this day, 26 years ago to this day, I was a nervous rabbinical student standing there with Ismar Shorsh, the chancellor of the seminary, sitting five feet away from me as I delivered my senior sermon 15 years ago at the chuppah, 15 years ago. So in, in five years or 10 years, where will we be? What will we be doing? You know, maybe God knows. I'm not sure about that. More likely, only time will tell. But whatever it is, wherever we are, whomever we're sharing it with, whatever the weather, by the way, as well, may those experiences become for us also foundational memories that bring meaning to our days and light to every single day of our lives. Shabbat Shalom.